Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. So everyone who comes on and shares are our people. Yeah, these, these guys are awesome. They're, but every story we have is like, these is people my, are unashamed. To come is, and yeah. share your story with the world on a podcast is yeah. unashamed. Yeah, they're just, they're my favorite. But out of anyone, these guys are our people. Mm-hmm. Like, our people. Like our people. Yeah. So what you don't know is this on multiple levels. One, one of our original anonymous question submitters is Seth. This was this was before you were a babe yeah. in the woods with Unashamed yeah. James yeah. when this guy was submitting yeah. this, questions. This guy was in this is the OG. Yeah. OG. In fact, he listened to us like it, it was only on the website. Right. Like Prior we weren't even like, yeah. we weren't even like up and rolling. Yeah. This is um, pre me by year more or more. Oh yeah. You weren't even a twinkle nope. in the unashamed eye. Right. <laughs> so, so not, not only that. Okay. So Seth's balling out. Not only is he balling out. So he's like, yeah, I'll share my story or whatever. So this dude just calls me one day. Like you can't make this up. And is like, Hey, um, so I'm speaking in sacrament meeting and uh, I'm just going to share my story, but um, I need your help. How do I make it age appropriate? Because <laughs> there's kids in the meeting and I'm like, yeah, go, you can do it. You yeah. can make it age appropriate. So, um, so he talks all about in the bonus content, he talks about coming up with, you know, his talk and writing and that whole experience. So, yeah. um, so, so then you're thinking, okay, this guy's awesome. But what about his wife, Nicole? So what everyone else also doesn't know is outsiders. Outsiders are those who roll with us, right? Who have donated to the cause to help people get treatment in this, help fund what we're doing, right? And they, right, they're bold, accepted, and unashamed. So we have the donation page half up. It's I, not even finished yet. We haven't even tested the donor box, which is our the third party you can we can run your credit card through. And I'm like, dude, we got somebody. Like, we have an outsider. Like, we have to figure out how to email this person and tell, like, we're supposed to have bonus content and stuff, and we don't even know. Who's that outsider, James? That is Nicole. Sitting right here with us today. So. The OG like, outsider. Just. The number one. Number one spot, the original outsider, like, Seth's an old, he's a day rookie, one. Rookie card, like just Nicole. A, yeah. Just it, so if we had people, James, yep. these are our people. Yeah. And not to mention their story's incredible. There's just, it, it just is so many routes, so many places where you could just be like, in fact, I even asked Nicole, I was like, why are you staying? Like, I even know how the story ends. And I'm like, why are you staying? And just so many routes, so much acting out. Um, and so in this episode, um, cause we, we going forward, we always want to have a disclaimer of content of this episode, right? So affairs, prostitution, a whole bunch of stuff going on for years. And 
the shift and not only the shift, but like they can talk about it and verbalize it. Yeah. Literally amazing. So I hope you take the opportunity to listen to their whole story and um, go down to shamedunfair.com slash donate, donate whatever you can monthly to help us uh, sponsor people in recovery. If you're looking for scholarships, you can also go to the website and find the scholarships there. Um, if you just want to subscribe by email, you can get our keys to recovery document, which is the basics that we've kind of learned. Um, our two favorites we ask, follow us on social media. And if this has been valuable to you and you are feeling unashamed, go ahead and give us five stars on iTunes. Um, so there's all of the things I'm supposed to say as a host. Before you, I let you just drop in an intro on this. Um, I just want to personally, um, take a minute to show some appreciation to you, Steve. Um, because Seth's shares in his, in this story about how unashamed and afraid this website, it sounds like it literally saved his life. And so Steve, I just want to take a minute to honor you for, uh, starting unashamed and afraid, having the courage to step out and do that. And literally save and change lives. So love you, man. Thank you. Love you too, man. And uh, just doing what God taught me, bro. Yeah. With that, let's get into the studio. Get in the studio, Seth and Nicole. Seth, what's up, brother? Hey, it's good to be here. It is good to have you here, live and in person with your beautiful wife here, Nicole. How are you? Good. You, she expressed before she was a little bit nervous, but as we were talking before this, she is ready to go. You can say yeah. You yeah. can speak now. Yeah. Or, <laughs> nobody can see. Nobody can hear, I'm so hear the nodding. I'm, I'm just teasing you. She's nodding at me like, I was asking just, me awkward questions, I'm just Steve. encouraging him. It's all good. Um, so this is awesome. So uh, we're here in person. You guys you guys drove down the five-hour drive, um, Boise area. So this is cool. So we're just blessed to have you. So what also our listeners may not know is like sometimes we always like download a bunch of people like, hey, like, do you even know what our podcast is about? Like, do you know? But you guys are like, you're a part of us. So that's cool. Um, so we're just we're gonna give you the reins here. So um, we we can start either way. We'll let Seth start because Nicole, Nicole's like, yeah, let him start. She's a little nervous. <laughs> so tell us just like right because we as know right as addicts, this so often happens in the, in our childhood and our adolescent years when this all kind of comes on. So pain and context. Tell us about your childhood. Kind of start at the beginning. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I grew up in a. Um, church um a, a home where we had we had a good family we were church going people um i grew up in the um lds faith the member of the church of jesus christ of latter day saints um our family was active we went to church every week we um my parents had callings we you know checked all those boxes um but as a as a as a child, I um, felt a lot of inadequacy and um, had a lot of feelings of not good being good enough. Um, in elementary school, um, I would 
I was bullied a lot. Um, <clears throat> and that continued through junior high, high school, even into, in, even into college years. The, the bullying or the, the, or the inadequacy, I guess, the, both? The bullying, um, which I think fed the inadequacy oh, and right. feeling of, feelings of not um, being good enough. Uh, when I was 12 years old, um, I first came across pornography. I was at a sleepover at a friend's house, and um, I was introduced to it there. That's okay. the first time. Okay. Yeah. Um, Did you, so tell me like relationship with dad and mom, like, could you talk about this? Like, would you go home and be like, Hey, these kids just totally bullied me. Or was it like, you don't talk about it? Oh, absolutely. Um, I didn't talk about anything at, at home with nothing. Uh, it was never, I, I, I mean, I had loving parents, but I never had that feeling that I could open up to them about it anything. I had a few experiences um in talking with my dad when I was when I was younger where I realized real quickly I'm shouldn't tell him things because he just the way he responded, I guess. So so he didn't make it safe for you to like express your feelings or or to like can you just explain that just a little bit? Uh like expound on the Yeah what happened man well um So, well, like, for example, like, I think, I think I was five years old and, um, my dad was helping me get out of the bathtub one time and, um, you know, drying me off, helping me get ready, um, for the night. And I think I remember saying something about my penis and calling it saying, telling him how, the, you know, the guys at school called this a weenie. And, um, he got like really mad at me and he told me never to talk about that like that ever again. Oh, hmm. So I never okay. said anything okay. about that. Sex was never talked about. Sure. Anymore. And and then about the bullying, so you didn't feel safe talking about the bullying either. No. Could, could, well, yeah, if you can't you t- even if you can't even talk about my friend's nickname for right. my genitals, you're not going to bring up the bullying, would right. you? So just didn't feel safe to really talk about stuff because you were afraid that right. the anger might come back at you. Right. Okay. So pornography happened during the school years, junior high, high yeah. school. Yeah, yeah. Pornography happened, uh, like I say, when I was twelve. I was first exposed um, at my parents' house. We didn't have ha- access to pornography per se, uh, but I was. I found myself you know, lusting after uh, like commercials on TV uh, with pretty girls, whether it's like beauty commercials or things of that nature. Uh, at the same time, um, at my parents' house, we had cable, which the movie channels like HBO, they, my parents didn't subscribe to those channels, but at this time, uh, what the cable company did to block it is they just put lines through it, but I could still see everything. And so I used to sneak out of my room at night and after midnight and go in and just watch like every night. Okay. Would they confront you? Did you ever get they caught never, no. or confronted? No, they never. And then tell me, like, so relationships with girls throughout school, like validation there or no? I never had any relationship with girls. Um, yeah. Junior high, high school, really. I mean, I went to dances, but it was nothing beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. Served a mission? Served a mission. Um, Where'd you go? Went to Nicaragua. Is where I was called. I um, got really sick. 
while I was on my mission. In fact, I was sick pretty much the whole time. Uh, ended up being transferred from Nicaragua to uh, the California San Fernando mission and didn't get any better and was sent home. Hmm. So, I mean, how did that experience kind of equate to, I mean, you, you had some tough stuff as a kid and then that the mission, I'm assuming that's not how you wanted your mission to work out. No, absolutely not. Um, and there again, like I, Felt like I never connected with anyone because I was sick all the time. My companions would be frustrated that we weren't doing any work, that I was holding them behind. Uh, I felt like a failure because all of my cousins, uh, my my dad comes from a really large family, family. Everyone's active. Everyone's married in the temple. All of the boy cousins have gone on missions. So I was the first cousin to come home from a mission early. Mm. Uh, I had no baptisms because I was sick. You know, I didn't do a lot of the work. A lot uh, of cultural shame around that shame right. in the family. Yeah. Yeah. So you come home. When do you run back into, I mean, did you act out on your mission sexually? Did you run back into when you got home? I, like, I, how did that transition into adulthood? There was one time uh, when I was still in Nicaragua that I, um, had an issue with masturbation. And then when I got transferred to California, uh, I had an issue with calling uh, 1-900 numbers a few times and then got sent home after that. Um, I did talk to my, I did let my mission president know that I had done that. And um, we talked about that and, and um, he let me stay on my mission and, and um, forgave me, I guess is what really what he said. Uh, and then I came home shortly after that. And once I was home, I um, actually ended up in the hospital at University of Utah. I had a, a staph infection in my bone marrow in my left hip bone. That's intense. Um, yeah. So I was in the hospital for a couple of weeks with that and then came home from there and um, Recover, took you know several months to recover after that, but at, around that time, my parents got the internet at home, mm-hmm. and um, I quickly uh, discovered online pornography, and that became my new outlet. Yeah. So we're gonna put the story on pause, like cliffhanger. What happens next? But we have your wife here, who's awesome. So kind of tell us your your kind of story background growing up what God was like for you? Um, so I, too, was raised uh, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. Um, good home, lo- you know, loving home. My um, parents are good examples. I have good, fond memories growing up. Um, and I'm the oldest in my family, you know, nothing super significant. I went off to college. Um, Responsibility is the oldest. Sometimes that's a thing that it's like, you need to be the example. You need to be the perfect one for all your siblings. Um, maybe maybe some of that, a little bit. But mm-hmm. at the same, my sister's only a year younger than me. And mm-hmm. so we kind of were raised a lot together. Together. Um, and... Um, you know, I mean, I think the biggest thing is we didn't talk a lot about hard things. 
I think that's a generational thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that that was significantly different, but that was probably part of it. Um, I think one of the significant things in my family, so I, in college, um, and I served a mission, I served a mission a little bit later. So at the time, as women, we had to be 21. I didn't go till I was 22 mm -hmm. um, on my mission. Where'd you go? Brazil. Awesome. Yeah. Portuguese. Yeah. <laughs> I don't speak it. I just know people I'm like, say I that. Could. <laughs> um, that was a long time ago, but um, yeah. So that was a good experience. Um, when I came home, I finished college, and um, I remember my parents were supposed to come to my college graduation and almost didn't. And my mom finally opened up that my brother had been having problems with drugs, and he had got oh, into wow. addiction from that. And so that's definitely something that has kind of um, been a part of our family because he's struggled now for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so my parents hadn't didn't even kind of talk to us in the beginning about what was going on. So, you know, there's also been a lot of judgment from me, even me and my siblings on how my parents have handled things, you know. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's given me some good perspective having a brother that struggled um, with a lot of different addictions. Yeah. So, so you're, tell me in those growing up years, kind of working through college, like who was God to you and how did you stand in relationship to him? Um, I, I feel like I always had a good relationship with God. I've always been, um, you know, had faith in Him. I think I probably would say here, like, the biggest thing that I have struggled with, even as a youth and then into college, and as it, like, related to my self-confidence or relationship with others, is um, I've always struggled with my weight. And so that's been something that always made me feel maybe less adequate or um, even struggling as I, because, um, you know, I went through college, didn't date very much, and then I graduated and then started working. And, and so there's always this expectation of you get married and you get married in the temple and that's what we do in our culture. And then you have kids. And so um, I think that was probably, that was a difficult thing for me that I really blamed on, um, you know, more on that, that struggle that I had, um, and feeling, um, yeah, that things weren't kind of going as I expected them to. So. Well, so, so is, is maybe, uh, that, that God's good. I just yeah. may not be worthy of him. You know, I know, I don't, um, I don't know that I connected how I felt to, how I felt about God. Um, mm -hmm. a little bit like, um, just oh, life isn't working out the way I wanted. Yeah. It. Like I had this plan yeah. and life is different and I've had multiple, <laughs> yeah. multiple different plans. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think we all do. I right. think we all, I think you're sharing some wisdom here. So, uh, for those of you who think you have your life plan figured out, God might have some surprises for you. Um, so, but I think it's important what you're kind of talking about here, because I think as men, we talk a lot about like pornography's out there and this all, and there's this culture and, and, you know, you have to shelter yourself from the world and it's this terrible thing, but like that has a huge impact on women. Like when, like to be vulnerable enough to share that about your concerns about your weight and this expectation, like you should be married, you should be like, so there's these cultural expectations around 
your sexuality, you as an object, as like women face as much of that as men. And I, I think, I mean, we we don't acknowledge that probably enough right. on our podcast of kind of that experience. So I think what you're sharing is really powerful. Like I think a lot of women relate to that inadequacy, and I think it folds into addiction because I I think one of the biggest themes and we can get into this kind of full the story is like you must not be enough or he wouldn't act out. Like we hear that all the time. Oh, for sure. Right. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Right. So, okay. Seth, we're back to you. Tell us a little bit about what your relationship with God had been like through these years. Did you try to rely on him? Did you kind of figure he'd abandon you? Like, uh, was he just somebody you just couldn't talk to? Like, tell us a little bit about what, how you had formed that relationship from, from childhood up until, you know, post mission and college. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think I always, in the back of my mind, thought he was there, but I didn't know for sure. Like, I had always been told he was. Uh, you know, in primary, my parents, uh, my mother especially, trying to instill that um, in me. But to be honest, I just listened to them, but I, I didn't know, you know, and... Um, going through the bullying and the stuff with my mission and with my health. Like, so I went to serve a mission thinking I was going to have this, you know, the typical missionary experience. And it was anything but that. And um, I, you know, I, I think I really started to feel like God had abandoned me at that point in my life. So... And, and I've struggled with that since then. Yeah, that makes sense. I understand why you would go there. So at some point in time, the two of you run into each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know the story, right. so I can't tell it. So it's going to be up to <laughs> you, you too. Do you want to share right sure. before? Or? No, I, I, yeah, no. Go ahead. You share. No. But yeah. and yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you what's funny about this. Before this, um, Nicole's comments before recording this were were I, I sorry, I just talk, I'm just talking Thanks, too Steve. much. I'm just talking too much, and I'm like, so you know, like we're gonna give you an opportunity to just talk a ton, like for an hour, we're gonna talk. So we're gonna make you share because she wanted you to. Okay, okay, that's this is good. Um, <laughs> So this is therapeutic, right? So, so we met after I had graduated from college. She had, she had graduated as well. Um, she was living in Salt Lake. I was living in Idle Falls. And um, I didn't have a lot going on dating-wise. Um, I had actually just finished being disfellowshipped from the church for the first time. And so tell us that story. Tell you that story. That's the story I was saying. So we'll just say it, Nicole. We're unashamed and we're unafraid. You, you know it. the drill. I know, I'm sorry. I just wanted to tell it. Yeah. So after, after my after my mission, um, you know, I got into the pornography addiction um, with online pornography. Uh, pretty quickly, that escalated to like chat rooms and talking with other women and that escalated to meeting women in person um, for hookups and, and things like that 
And so that's going on through college. And uh, my last year at college. And, and where did you attend? Uh, I went to Rick's College. Okay. And then after Rick's College, I went to Idaho State. Okay. But, but so while you're at Rick's, like there's this dual standard. Well, so you're, yeah. you're struggling. Uh, yeah, at Rick's, I'm struggling with pornography. Yeah. Um, I talked to bishops. I mean, I've talked to so many bishops about So you were pretty open about it as you were going through your college years with yes. these, like, hey, here's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but then when it escalated to like chat rooms and talking to people and hooking up, um, I wasn't honest about that anymore or open. Um, and so like my final year at ISU, I went in and talked to my bishop, told him what was going on and, um, ended up having a disciplinary council and being disfellowshipped. Okay. So, uh, after that was done. Shortly after that, uh, I met Nicole. Um, we met on LDSsingles.com and um, didn't date very long before we realized that we wanted to get married and really felt, I really felt like I was close to the spirit um, at that point. You know, I'd been, I was done um, with the church discipline and I felt like I was getting closer to meaning God. you were back in fellowship in back the church? in full fellowship. And um, so was that like a real recovery thing, like change of heart stuff's changing for you? Or was that like, I know this stuff is wrong and I've got enough willpower. I can stop. Um, I think it was a little bit of both. And I think okay. it was some naivety on my part thinking like that when I get married, this is not going to be a problem. Yeah. And everyone else too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you get married. Kind of when does it all come out and blow up? Well, so you knew you knew the whole story coming you, in? You knew about the disfellowship? He says I did. I okay. mean, and we ta- I knew about the disfellowship. Okay. We talked a little bit. I I didn't quite get it. He, he shared the minimized story of what had happened. Yeah. Okay. Seth's nodding his head yes, in case anyone feels like we're bullying Seth in this moment. <laughs> yeah. He's nodding his head like, oh, yeah, that's yep. totally what happened. Because, right, this is kind of the story that happens. At, you know, I mean, it's mine, story, it's yours, it's it's Jason. Yeah. Like, we, you we struggle with that. this? Totally did once in the long past, and I have no problem. And uh, undertone of don't ever ask me about this again. <laughs> Accurate? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> so... Right, so you get married. Um, I'm assuming all your stuff creeps up again within. Oh, within probably within the first six months. Yeah, I'm online, okay. chatting with women. Uh, I think Nicole went out of town for work once. I went and met someone. Okay. Um, I didn't really know he's struggling, and I get pregnant for the first time and have a complicated pregnancy and we lost that baby. Um, she was stillborn. Mm. Um, and so I was in a difficult place because we were also told they didn't know if I could carry a baby full term and told me I couldn't get pregnant. I'm By this time I'm older. I was 30 when Seth and I got married. I'm a little bit older than Seth. Anyway, another disclosure, right? So... Um, <laughs> no, I mean, and so like this is just hard for you, right? Like oh, yeah. You, all these things are not falling into place, and yet, and here's, and here's yet this other piece that, mm-hmm. this devastating piece that comes out. 
It was. And maybe I'll veer off here for a second because at that point, that's when I really remember Seth ever telling me something. So I don't really remember the conversation before. I kind of remember him talking Mm -hmm. to me about it. I know that he he came to me. We went and talked to the bishop. felt like he wanted to get things right. But I was also just in this difficult place too. Um, And so I don't know that I really understood a lot. Um, And yeah. Um, And and I remember that point too. Like I had this really profound experience because I was like, okay, we don't have kids. Like, should I stay in this marriage? Um, And because you, because you had found out at this moment about that he had been have, you're calling it hookups, affairs, acting out, whatever, whatever label we want to put on that. You found out about this. Yeah, I mean, because you told her, or she fa- she caught you. No, I told her. So, I've never caught him. So, no, in this whole process, you've never caught him. Okay. So when when we lost the baby, I secretly blamed myself um, because of my actions and felt like I was being punished. Yeah. By God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm feeling terrible. And um, she's like, I have to tell her that it's my fault, not her fault. Kind of, but I, it led me to seeking out and, and seeing a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And um, I just felt so guilty after that. Um, that's what drove me to tell her everything. Yeah. So, yeah. He, and he tells me, and I'm like, I need someone to talk to, but I couldn't mm-hmm. figure out who, because I didn't want to tell anybody that my husband had this problem. Right. There's no way I was telling anybody. And so, did you relate everything in the past too, or were you like, just this one experience happened? Yeah. Was it a full disclosure? Oh, no, no, it was not a full. All right. No. Okay. So I actually call his mom and I start talking to her and we were supposed to go over and see them. And then I tell him on the way that I told his mom and he mm-hmm. kind of lost it. And I was like, oh, okay, not safe. So I was like, I can't talk to anybody. And I stayed in that space for a really long time in our marriage. Like, I didn't have any outlet to talk to anybody. I didn't feel like he— You're just trapped. Yeah. And and I, um, I'm kind of skipping forward, but, you know, we— we go through that, and then we get to another place where we. So we have our first daughter, um, and and I'm just going to fill in the gap so we can stay where you are. You get disfellowshipped again. Not yet. <laughs> Nothing happens. So you haven't gone to the church with any. No, of I this. did go to the church, but I didn't get disfellowshipped. Okay. Um, at that time. Okay. But then our daughter's born, and our daughter's born, and I'm still acting out. I'm still finding women online to talk with and meet in person and um comes forward and again. I come forward and this time I get disfellowshipped again. Okay. And then put a year on that. So yeah. everyone kind of knows yeah. timelines where we're floating. When did you get disfellowshipped then? Ten years ago. So that was ten years ago. That was twenty ten. Right yeah. So uh, and I because I just have to like like I have to get it, I guess. So like why are you staying? <laughs> Well, part of it was that experience. So I was telling you, I'm having this experience thinking, should I leave? And this is a few years earlier. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually was listening to a talk by um, Dallin H. Oaks, 
President Oaks now, but, and it was about divorce and marriage. And I remember I had this, in fact, for a while I went back trying to find exactly that quote, but it wasn't there. And it was because I just had this really strong impression that marriage isn't something that you give up on quickly. Like you just, you know, you keep trying and it's important. And, and I, Seth and I had a lot of wonderful, good experiences together, you know, so it wasn't like our whole marriage was bad or... Because that's what I'm thinking, like, how do you do this for this long? But it's because it wasn't, it wasn't black and white. Yeah, I mean, um, not until we get to our next disclosure do I really, really know everything. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I mean, I knew enough, I knew he struggled, um, but I also felt like... Um, there was enough good to hang on and I wanted to work through things. And I don't know, I can't really explain it a lot. So how are you functioning at this point in time? Are you just like, I have a problem, but I'm working on it and you quit every night before you go to bed? Or are you like, because there's big, I mean, there's big consequences to this, right? This is financially affecting you. It could be affecting your health. Like they're like, so... She, she's kind of getting partial disclosures from you. So how, like, so how are you operating at this point in time? Like, are you just resigned or are you like, I quit every time right after? No. Yeah. I, I, um, I definitely quit. Like I quit millions of times. It feels like, um, yeah. like I'm good at quitting. I just can't, <laughs> <laughs> I just can't stay. <laughs> Stay, you know, quit. You know, we're all totally gonna borrow that now forever. <laughs> um, You're just gonna starting too, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but no, like uh, I started going to the ARP twelve step program, um, but I wasn't working the steps. I I just showed up to the meeting, opened my manual, read it during the meeting, closed it, didn't open again until the next meeting. But like, why did you even go to that? I guess because my bishop told me to, and I thought that I didn't want to. I, I, it he just like, wanted to get through. Yeah. We both just wanted to get through that period of disfellowship. So we weren't getting a lot of support, mm. but I think it was like, we just need to get on the other side of this. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. It, yeah, it was hard. Like, it was really shaming the the whole process for both of us it felt like um shaming from from the your, bishop brick and the church yeah okay um they <laughs> the bishop didn't even know my name like even afterwards like he mm. called us both the wrong names mm. oh jeez. um anyways yes if you're a bishop and listening there's a hint for you <laughs> right so a year after i was done being disfellowshipped Meaning I got put back in the church and a year later now. A year later, yes. And so that, so the second time around, kind of same as the first, where it's like, there are some good recovery things, but I'm not really all in. No, there were some good recovery things. Um, He was doing enough that I thought he was finding recovery. Yeah, like, this is it. Oh, yeah. No, I totally did. Right. Yeah. But at this time, I was just so tired of, like, of disappointing Nicole. Um but also myself and just whoever. I was just tired of messing up, you know? So when I did mess up, because I did um, after that year, 
messed up, started looking at pornography again, and um, quickly went online, met someone, and... Yeah, so you just started repeating your yeah. pattern over again. Yeah, yeah, but this time I was seeing someone for off and on for the the following six years. Okay. And Nicole had no idea. So this, this is like going on. full-blown affair mode. <laughs> kind of. I don't... Talk to us Go about ahead. it. Go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. Tell us about it. Uh, Nicole, you want to talk about it? No. <laughs> <laughs> It was sexual, but like I would never like allow us to have intercourse, but like there was oral sex. So, so a common line with religious people, because then they have, it's a justification line. Right. Well, I didn't do this so I can keep lying about it. Yeah. Right. A minimizing technique. So I mean, pretty common. So that went on. Not saying it's a good thing. Right. Not saying that's like the way you should do anything. Totally an addict, bad thing. But yeah, the it, logic right. as an addict makes sense. That's what keeps you trapped in it for so many years is because you're using that logic to justify your behavior. Right. Or I, I've heard men that are like, oh, well, you know, I watch porn, but it's not hardcore porn. So I don't have to tell people that I was watching porn. Right. So that, so yeah, so that was the next six years. Nicole had no idea. She thought I was in recovery. Um, yeah, because he's like, I mean, everything, you know. Are you doing any meetings in it, in any of that? Mm. No. No, I'd stopped okay. going to meetings. So so you'd quit kind of as soon as you came back into fellowship. You were like, okay, I'm done with, I'm recovered now, I'm done. And then you fall into your cycle and you're acting out for the next six years. And Nicole, you're thinking like, yep, everything's good well, now. We did the recovery well, thing. We, we're we good now. We stopped talking about it. Yeah. I mean, there was a point where he said, I need you to help me be accountable. And so then I'm like, oh, okay, I need to ask him. And that was like horribly, excruciatingly mm-hmm. painful. I didn't want to ask him because I didn't want to hear the answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't think, and I didn't think he was perfect. Um, I mean, I didn't think he was meeting well, and there, women. And there's a, there's a lot of spouses that don't ever don't ever get into that accountability yeah. role, and that's okay. Well, no, and I and I and it was uncomfortable enough that I kind of stopped doing it. But then he was saying less and less. But then at the same time, he's like serving in the church, and he's yeah. super critical about whatever we watch. Yeah. Really so, careful about. So, what's your gut yeah. telling you through all this, though? Honestly, I had no idea. He got so good at everything that I, I just, I didn't. Well, can I ask you now, a direct question on that one? Please And do. now that you have some hindsight and you can see it, do you think you just didn't want to know? Like, did you want to believe the story? Like, we're done. And so if something came up that came on kind of your radar, okay. you were like, oh, I'm going to pretend that's not there and keep going. So here's the thing. And I hear, like, I hear that all the time. And I've thought about this so many times. I know. That's why I want to get your answer. I really didn't know. Yeah. I really didn't. And I don't think it was because I didn't want to know. Um, I mean, I make the joke that he was a really good liar. Yeah. But at the same time. It probably was. I'm not not minimizing that. I mean, because we still, like, our relationship is still moving forward. We're having good experiences. We've had another child. Um, You know, he's... He's serving really faithfully in his church yeah. callings. Um, there's a lot of good yeah. happening. And so I really didn't. Now, in retrospect now, if you ask me, my husband's now a different person right? over this past year. And we haven't even got to the year yet. Yep. <laughs> but 
so I can see it now, but at the time I really didn't. You didn't and know any better, right? I didn't. Yeah. Because yeah, you'd James. only lived with one guy. I that was this guy, and this was just. I've what had you were moments. Was a slightly improved yeah. version. I've now looked back and been like, "Oh, this is the guy I first fell in love with." Right. And I even had moments in my marriage when I was like, "Oh, I didn't think he was as." critical or judgmental of himself or others or as negative, but maybe this just this just him and I miss that. Like I remember mm-hmm. consciously having that thought mm-hmm. or occasionally having thoughts like, Am I being emotionally abused? He's pretty like mm-hmm. there were little things like that, but it was so subtle that I cause so many other good things were yeah. there. And so yeah. You know, and I think it's important that we actually say here that like, we're kind of insinuating, like, you should have known, like, you would have seen it. Like, and I don't want to put that that impression out there at all. No, 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 no. By, no, by not asking, not you know, all. did you sense the signs? Was there something that maybe you didn't want to know? Like, I don't want to have some underlying tone of, like, yeah, you should have known and seen this. Like, I don't want anybody to get that impression. No, I, we, we always bring that up on here because we want to validate women. Because a lot of times when women are in that process... Like, and also there's a lot of gaslighting from the spouse. Right. They think they're crazy. Right. Because they're like, I see these signs of things, but my husband's like, what are you talking about? I'm elders quorum well, president. What are you talking about? I'm serving I've, faithfully in the church. Like, you're crazy for thinking that. Yeah. So women sometimes get stuck in this place where they're like, they can't trust their intuition anymore. So that's why we kind of ask that question and, and put it that way. But yeah, there's not a, a gun loaded, like, you, right. Nicole, you did it wrong. Or, or any woman who's listening to this, like, no, like, it's not your job to have like this magical radar. Like, and, and it, that's a really tough thing, but if there's a woman out there being, who heard what you just said, and you're like, I noticed these little signs or whatever, I would just say to those women, like, if you are noticing those things, like trust your gut. And if your husband's right. minimizing it and gaslighting it, don't trust him, trust your right. gut. But when you live for it with, mm-hmm. with it for a long time, and it's not so blatantly bad, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing about I think that's one of the things about this addiction is it just thrives so much in secrecy that there's a lot of things that, you know, there's a lot of subtlety there Yeah, yeah that can they, be missed. We get totally. really good at the lying and the hiding and yeah. I mean, a lot of his acting out was like, I mean, he was home with me every night. He, I mean, he guarded his phone. I probably thought, but in the, and I would look, I thought about that occasionally, but not really, mm-hmm. but just not big things. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So you're coming to this six years. We we know that the fair experience was six years because you put that timetable on it. So we get to the end of the six years. So what happens that disrupts that? So the end of the six years, uh, I'm just sick and tired of the way that I feel. I'm sick and tired of feeling like a piece of garbage secretly deep down inside. No one knows this, just me. And feeling like there's something so wrong with me, but I don't, nobody could ever understand. I don't, I, there's no, there's nothing I could ever do to fix this. And, um, I mean, I was acting out. I was, yeah, had this six year affair. When that was done, I started seeing another woman who I would pay to give me massages. And I would go there like multiple times a week. I had a secret bank account that Nicole didn't know about where I was diverting money from my uh, payroll in there to fund this. 
Yeah, on here we just kind of own that as prostitution too. So, right. So I, I guess I was just trying to emphasize how out of control. Yeah. Yeah. I was, and uh, so and, and the extent of the lying, the hiding, the secrecy, the you know all the manipulation that all goes into this. Oh yeah. To living this double life. Oh yeah, I was, and I was just tired of it. Like I knew something had to, something was going to break eventually. One side of your dual life was going to have to go. Right. And I got to the point where I felt like the only option was suicide. And um, I was actually too chicken. Obviously, I was too chicken. I was too chicken to address anything with my wife our entire marriage. Um, So I'm going to be too chicken to actually commit suicide. Uh, so I started to pray that God would just let me die, like in my sleep or something, and that's why I would that's why I would pray for every night. Um, it felt like my family would be so much better off without me, and um, shortly after that, I had this really strong impression that. This was not the life that that Heavenly Father had for me. And around this time, I had found your website. So this was before you guys even had the podcast. This was just your website. You recorded like Chris and Autumn and mm-hmm. David and Steve from Alaska. And, and their stories are on your website. I used to listen to those uh, on the way to work, on the way home, like every day um, because I— was led to your website one day um, when I was just searching online. I was just trying to find anyone who had any some, something similar to what I was going through because I, I felt like I was the only, like I said, I was the only one dealing with this, so the only, only option was to just kill myself. And um, so when I found your website and heard those stories, it was the first time that I had ever heard anyone um, that sounded like me, kind of. I guess if that makes sense. I know everyone's stories are different, but it was the first time I felt like, wow, like other people know what I feel like. And they, um, they've rec- they're recovering and it's possible. So that gave me so much courage and hope. And, um, so I, I, one day I came home from work early. Nicole was still at work, and I had a pretty rough day. I'd acted out and came home. And like I said, I felt like Heavenly Father had abandoned me a long time ago, and I had abandoned myself. And I didn't know what to do. I, I prayed. I prayed vocally. I, I never do that, and just prayed that He would He would provide some way for me to finally just be honest because I kept hearing. In these stories, honesty, like if you could just be honest about everything, um, that's the only way to get healing. And I didn't know how that was going to happen. Um, so I said that prayer. And within two weeks, an opportunity was given for me to be honest and to be, to tell the truth. So let me interject here about, we figured out that about the same time that he said that prayer, I had this, I was, I was on my way to work. And um, 
I had this really strong impression. I don't remember what I was listening to or thinking about, but I had this strong impression. Do you really know your Savior, Jesus Christ? Do you really have a relationship with Him? And I started having this dialogue in my head because I'm like, well, I totally believe in Him. I serve in a mission. Like, I've never doubted or anything. I thought, why am I, why am I, why do I feel that way? And so, anyway, two weeks later. <laughs> yeah, so two weeks later. So two weeks later, um, I got called into the stake presidency's office and uh, was going going to be extended a calling. And during that interview, they asked if there was anything that would prevent me from They interviewed me the first, calling. asked me if he's, like, good to go. I say yes. Mm, mm. <laughs> And I just said everything because I had already said in my prayer, if Heavenly Father would provide an opportunity, I would be that completely would honest. Mm-hmm. Good. And I, I knew that that was my answer to my prayer. So I started so, to be honest. So I'm just like so emotional right now. Sorry. Um, so that was a, like the first moment of full disclosure? It was the first moment where I, I started talking about pornography and he just stopped the interview and he said, you know, we're not going to extend a calling at this time. Um, I need you to, I'm, I need to talk to you. So I met with the first counselor in the state presidency. So he oh, said, okay. I need to meet so with the like, president. I need to, pass this I need to, the to meet president. with the president and then reach out to your bishop or you may hear from the state president, one or the other. Yep. This and, is also, yeah. he was the second counselor. Anyway, oh. he was also our former bishop, who Seth had served really closely with as his ward clerk for several years. Mm. So, I mean, it's Is significant. It, yeah. it was significant who he told. Yeah. yeah. C- c- meaning that you're saying God provided him a safe person. Yeah, and I, th- I don't know. I feel that way. Yeah. I, I feel like it was totally an answer to my prayer. Absolutely. Yeah. So we come home, and he starts telling me everything. Um, I, I think the disclosure really took about two weeks. Um, Meaning but, it took two weeks for it to all spill out. Yeah. Yeah, for the, the like, the worst of it. Um, yeah. But he, and I, he told me everything that night, but it was like kind of on a high level. But at the same time, he told me, this is what I need to do. And he starts telling me, I need to do the 12 steps. I need to get a sponsor. I'm like, he starts telling me all this stuff and I've never heard this from him before. Um, He tells me, he said, "Um, you need to talk to somebody about this. You should talk to one of your friends. And I'm like, who is this man? Because, you know, before it's been like, you know, we don't talk to anybody about it. And so, I mean, I instantly saw like some change right then. He was approaching it differently. Well, he was. And I also at the same time, so it, it was like you, um, you know, like shocking everything he's saying, but at the same time, like I had the most tangible, um, like I, I felt my savior there with me. Like I instantly was like, we're going to get through this. This is going to be okay. Like. I've always talked about that I felt in that moment carried. And 
recently Seth and I have talked about this as we've like been studying and understanding. And I'm like, that was grace right there that I felt that day and in that moment and, and hope at the same time of complete like devastation and sadness. And really that's when I finally understood the extent of what had even happened in the past if that makes any sense. Where it all kind of came together. Yeah. Like this is one like big... Like his honesty was this is like one big complete. And, yeah. and I appreciate that he said like honesty has been humongous and honesty to the level of like um, for both of us. So timestamp when that two weeks was. When well, God answered that prayer with the stake presidency yeah. and he disclosed to you and it all came, came out. Yeah. That was when? That was probably the first... You mean like how long ago was that? Yeah, like... Oh, we know exactly. It was my birthday last year. Okay, so forgive those listeners who don't know when your birthday is. I'm just (laughs) saying it was like, okay, the end of February. But my point is... (laughs) No, yeah, the double, the double... it was, I mean, last week was a year. I I don't know why addicts, we are so good at doing... We've ruined Christmas, anniversaries. Like, this is a common... I think it's a way just to but talk make about the that pain. for a minute. Oh, like I would always use any holiday as an excuse to not tell her. Like, oh, I can't tell her now because Mother's Day is in a couple of weeks. I can't tell yeah. her. I can't tell her after. Mo- and then I would tell myself, okay, I'm going to tell her the week after. Oh, I can't because it will ruin Father's Day. And then I can't tell her. After that, because the 4th of July is coming. It'll ruin National Donut Day. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Well, and so that was, you talked about how he had kind of changes this time. Like that was a change, his willingness to have it all come out, even though your birthday is right there. Yeah, I mean, in in retrospect, I've looked at that and I'm like, that's huge. That's why I said, talk about it because... um, yeah. And I'm kind of stealing Seth's thunder here at the moment. But he Steal said, away. He said, you know, I was like, that was such an evidence of he didn't care what the cost was, what the change. Mm. I mean, and he hasn't talked about this, but um, he says that, that I said to him, you know, the seven-ish years before, this can't happen again. And yeah. so he was so sure, like, our marriage was over. Yeah. and But he didn't he kind of didn't care at that point because he was so ready to change. He finally surrendered. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've, I fully expected to be kicked out of the house that night and that we were getting divorced and I was going to be excommunicated and, you know, everything, everything that Satan told me for years would happen. Yeah. Would All happen. connection will be severed. Yes. And actually... The exact opposite of what he told me did happen. Well, tell us what did happen. I didn't Nicole's, kick him out. Nicole's amazing. <laughs> As you, if you couldn't tell already, um, yeah, she didn't kick me out. She chose to not let bitterness take over. She chose forgiveness. Um, yeah, she's a lot stronger than I ever. Well, I, imagined. Um, go ahead. I was going to say there. Um, I mean, part of it is I immediately saw a change in him. Um, I had that experience where I felt, you know, I felt carried through that, and so I, um, I didn't have a lot of anger. 
I had some bouts with it later, but it's it's been pretty minimal. <laughs> um, but we also um, immediately like dived in and had a lot of support. Um, our our experience with our bishop has been was a million times different and really amazing. Um, well, and group support. You both huge. had group support. That's been a huge, huge thing for us. Yeah. So what has been different? And I, and I asked that question because as a, a, an addict who is maybe feeling hopeless, I would be listening to your story being like, it's only been a year and these guys are here recording this. This dude's been doing it for 30 years. I need like five years of sobriety from this guy before I'd believe a word he would say. And I look at Nicole and Nicole is just going to stay no matter what. Cause he's already put her through the ringer like 15 times and she's still going to stay. So like BS, right? So I'm saying for, so for that BS meter and like, Cause, cause again, like Seth, you said like you did have recovery pieces, like in these previous rounds and of fighting the addiction, like you did do some good things. It's not all black and white. So, I mean, I think that's a, that's a little bit, obviously a different question. You both have your own answers for this, but I guess that's the question I want to ask is like, h- how is it different? Cause the way you're talking about it, you're like, I knew it was different. So like in this last year, like what has been different? Um, I'll go. So just for me, being completely honest about everything all the time, like I was never like that before. I always tried to control the outcome. Um, Seth never told me about the bullying. We never talked about any of that until this past year. Like things that he never talked about, he started talking about. So not just honest about your slips and your addiction behavior, just just about my bottom life. soul honesty. Yeah, I, ta- I, her, and my counselor are the only two people who know about the bullying or yeah, any of that sort of stuff or the traumatic well, experiences the I've had. Yeah, <laughs> until your sacrament meeting but, talk. Right. Yeah. Well, we're gonna get to that. So, uh, so the, like, just the, the total honesty. Total honesty. Um, I set, I set my boundaries. Nicole didn't really set boundaries with me. I, I, I came to her with boundaries. I gave her full access to my phone. I, um. So I would use the word you created safety. Yes. I mean, we, I do juvenile things. I don't have the internet on my phone. Um. We have a lockbox at home where we put the remote controls, and they're locked up. And because of me, I mean, they're, yeah. So, I mean, it feels juvenile, that, but those are the things that I knew that I you need. wanted for yourself. Yes, that to me that just sounds like surrender, right? Well, and I think that has been huge for me too because, um, I, I mean, I don't. I don't, I can't explain it, but in the beginning, like he knew what his plan was. And so, and I, I didn't want to go through trying to help him or figure it out really at all. And so I kind of just delved in like working on myself and figuring things out for myself. I'd never heard the, the, the term betrayal trauma until this past year. Um, I mean, I think I'd heard it, but never I mean, it was always codependency, which I did not relate to. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I didn't know what was going on with him. So how can I yeah, be a codependent? Yeah, I wasn't codependent? facilitating this addiction yeah. for him. Yeah. 
so that was huge for me. Um, and so that's where like us both kind of diving in to work on ourselves. And then the third thing is working on our relationship. And so, um, but it's not been me like trying to work on his addiction. It's been, I've been able to focus on me and our relationship, our marriage. And I think he's done the same thing. Yeah. So you're focusing on your healing and, and, you know, working through your betrayal trauma that you're talking about. You're not, you're not trying to control his recovery. You're just working on what you need to do to feel safe and feel healing and, and, and goodness. Right. Yeah. But do you feel like you've been able to do that in part because he's been so proactive about his recovery? Oh, definitely. I mean, I've had, I've had like one of the things I've struggled with is why am I, why have I been okay? Like, like, why am I okay through this right now? Like, shouldn't I be? And I've had other people, like, I've had other people say, like, you're doing great. What's, you know, like in our recovery circle? What's the magic sauce? And so then I've been like, is there something wrong with me? Like, I'm missing something, you know? Mm. So I've questioned that. Um, But I've also worried, like, am I okay because he's okay? And I've really had to kind of sit in that a little bit and think about it. Um, One thing I have done is I've actually, um, also worked my own 12 steps. Mm-hmm. And um, and that has been huge for me personally um, to just look at myself. And yeah. so, and I think about where I was a year ago. So I think, okay, I mean, I wasn't, I was living a good life. I wasn't mm-hmm. really doing significant things wrong. I mean, far from perfect. Um, but the word I think of is I was stagnant. Mm, yeah. And I feel like this year has just been this total dive into like exactly what I said that impression was is a dive into finding my relationship with my savior. Mm. And um and then at the same time, like Seth mentioned honesty, communication has been huge. We talk a lot all the time. So what is the relationship with God now that you're stepping on it? Because that's going to be my next question. What does it look like now? Because like for you, it wasn't that bad. But then like I feel your emotion into you and you're like, just my relationship with Christ. And so uh, as a listener, I'm like, well, what did you do different? Like, I want one of those. Um, I feel like part of it has been what I've surrounded myself with. Um, so just, you know a deeper dive into the scriptures, you know, more sincerity in my prayer. It's not that I didn't have those things, but um, listen to a lot of different podcasts um, so that I, you know, as I'm going about my day, I'm hearing things. I'm getting like, I'm getting fed um, the music that I listen to. Um, so I kind of feel like I've surrounded myself with a lot of things. I mean, going to Support group meetings is like amazingly spiritual experiences. (laughs) And so that too, you know, so I've had these, a lot of really deep, amazing conversations, both with Seth and and others. Um, And so I feel like it's just been making um, my relationship with my Heavenly Father and my Savior, um, investing more in it and making it more a part of my life in every aspect. Your daily walk. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just going to hit you straight direct. Tell me what you know about 
Christ now? What's your relationship with him <laughs> that like right now? Um, trying to think of the words to describe. Um, I just know that he understands anything that we could possibly experience. He's been there. He's he's suffered for us, and and he really knows. Um, and I talked about grace. Like to me, he's the only one that can give us that strength, that enabling power to do what we can't do ourselves. Um, and so I don't know if those are the things I think of. That's awesome. Thank you. Seth, same question. Tell us who God is as you know him now. I, I, <clears throat> I no longer think of him as this like unknown being out there who is disappointed in you. Disappointed in me. Um, I now have started to see him as more of like my father, my real father. Um, and that there's nothing that I could do that would make him disappointed in me that you know, I spent a long time in my addiction um, trying to serve better, read more my scriptures more, or um, you know do you know you talk about checking boxes yeah, like do the try harder yeah, gospel uh, that's yeah. exactly and um, and I've realized I can't I can't earn my way. Um, into his love like he just loves me and knowing that has made a huge difference for me um knowing that he's not disappointed he 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 still loves me um knowing that his son Jesus Christ that that I'm worth it that he he died for my sins specifically that he knows me um yeah i don't know it's just it's been it's been a wonderful experience to to get to to get to this place i'm i'm still working on it but it's so much better than it was before i i i have faith i've i've felt this miracle in my life that I never thought was possible. Um, and the only thing I could attribute attribute it to is the, my Savior, Jesus Christ. I, I don't know how else to, what else to say. I, I don't know how else it, it would yeah. have been possible. It's 30 years of this cycle, and now right. the, those, those chains are gone. Right. Well, and can I, because the question was asked, like, how do I know in a year, like, what, you know, what's different? And so, and and how do I and the trust. And I have, I have literally seen a different man in Seth. Um, he's probably, he's come to me and said, sorry, more this past year than he ever did the other 14 years of our marriage. 
he, you know, he's quick to apologize, to be sensitive to me, to our children. Um, I can see his relationship with our Heavenly Father, how that's just really expanded. Um, and he's just more understanding and sensitive to the Spirit, the things he talks about. I mean, and that's, to me, like, I can see it in him, and I hear it, and I feel it. And that's better to me than, like, any, like, tracking what he's doing or watching or monitoring. That, to me, it's it's there. I mean, <clears throat> the word just Forrest Gump. That's all there is to say about that. I mean, just, I... I'm grateful for your testimonies and and just the openness. Um, what's been interesting about this episode is one of the keys I think you've shared is this like soul level honesty and how you both are being honest with yourselves, with God and with each other and how that's just changed this. What's the song? Scars by I Am They. love that song you guys definitely have been a great example of being unashamed and sharing your scars and how they have led you to a greater testimony of god and christ and that they are never disappointed in us no matter what thank you for sharing and being on with us thank you thank you with that, we'll give it to I Am They. Waking up to a new sunrise Looking back from the other side I can see now with open eyes Darkest water and deepest pain I wouldn't trade it for anything Cause my brokenness brought me to you And these wounds are a story So I'm thankful for the scars Cause without them I wouldn't know your heart And I know they'll always tell of who you are So forever I am thankful for the scars Now I'm sad
Forever I am faithful I'm faithful 